0: To Horror Culture Trash the show discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this week, ahead of the Razzies next week, we are bringing you a Razzie winner from 2007. One that scooped up a lot of Razzies, but actually wasn't even that bad. Not as bad as we'd kind of hoped it would be for plenty of material for the episode.
1: Yeah, probably unjustifiably... Um, swept the boards, didn't it at the yeah. Razzies back in two thousand and eight. It did. Two thousand seven it indeed. Um, it's I know who killed me. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I'm not sure about that title. Not 100% sure. I mean, it's a line of dialogue in the film. <laughs> Which but... doesn't
1: work in the film.
0: Okay, let's
1: let's be honest. It's not a masterpiece by any account. Yeah. But. There was some fun to be had.
0: Yeah, so there's two, there's two sides to this. There's uh, the... the side uh, where everyone thinks it's an absolute disaster just because Lindsay Lohan's in it, um, post Mean Girls. Um, it's not post Mean Girls. It's around the time when she was having
1: a breakdown, wasn't it? it? It was, and we're not going to sit here and, and diss Lindsay Lohan. I like Lindsay Lohan. I liked her film Mean Girls. uh, confessions of a teenage drama queen just my look freaky friday Watched them all parent trap loved it and she she was a great child and teen star you know she was Mm -hmm. you know one of my favorites and she did have a tough time and in the grand tradition of trial by media she became a big target yeah she had her issues uh with drugs and alcohol you know, and um, they were relentless. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a shame, really, um, because, I mean, I used to, you know, read press Hilton all the time. You know, I loved it, loved celeb gossip. Um, now I'm older and very much wiser. I realize how. ...awful that whole thing was... ...yeah, and he's a piece of shit... ...yeah, um, so we're not here to, to, to judge that...
0: ...no, absolutely not... ...it's such a 2007 thing... ...I mean, you know, obviously Britney had the same sort of treatment... ...absolutely... ...it, it was just a big joke to everyone... ...you know, um... ...any... ...any younger star, whether, you know... ...from the music industry, or the film industry... ...they're going downhill and they're having a breakdown... ...it's just one big joke to the media back in 2007... ...and it's absolutely shocking... That we were alive to see that sort of time happening. It's not even that far away. And you it know? hasn't completely ended
1: now. No, no. Really. You know, now it's trial by social media. Yeah. Um, but back at that time, Lindsay Lohan was a big target. And I think that's really why the film swept the board. Like, yeah. really did sweep the board This is at bullshit. ...the Razzie Awards. So... Because Lindsay Lohan was a big... Target, this was her, her first real adult role. Yeah. The marketing all involved her dancing around a stripper pole. Yeah. You know, this was, I'm assuming, a 15 rated, 18 rated film at the time. At 18, I think, because it is yeah. quite violent. And th- this was her breakout role into more adult films. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a fucking mess. It It is a mess. Mm. And so people latched onto that. It was a big flop. Did fairly well on home video, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all the trivia. People, yeah. <laughs> people thought it was the kind of film you would probably prefer um, at home in your own company. If you know what I mean. Like, showgirls. Yeah. Um, so... It was just a real target for the red because it. There it was. was some shit that came out that year, which I'm sure Gary. Uh, honestly, explain.
0: I I really don't understand how this beat the likes of Norbit and now potentially Chuck and Larry and Epic Movie. At, at all these awards, this is absolutely bizarre. Like the awards it won: uh, worst picture, worst actress, uh, worst actress again. Uh, Lindsay Lohan playing two characters. Worst screen couple for Lindsay Lohan and uh, her two characters. Worst remake or rip-off. Uh, worst director. Worst screenplay. Worst excuse for a horror film. And the only one it didn't win that it was nominated for was Worst Supporting Actress for Julia Armand. Um. Yeah, worst excuse for a horror film. It beat Hannibal Rising. How? Hannibal Rising was uh, rough. Like, seriously, this film is not that bad. It is not that bad to justify all those wins.
1: No, but it, it's it's the big film that's going to get headlines for the yeah. Razzies, isn't it? And at the end of the day, someone like, you know, Eddie Murphy uh, with Norbit, mm. you know, it's not really going to be big headlines. You know, Norbert, no. with, by all accounts, shit. I haven't seen it view. you. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it was it was abysmal, but I don't think Eddie Murphy's brand was that big at the time. Mm. Whereas with Lindsay Lohan, it's it was a it was a, let's be honest, a way of tearing her down yeah. really. Yeah. Um and, in some ways, probably a punishment for her behaviour off screen. Yeah. Um, I think it's a real shame. It it is a real shame, and I hope. I really hope, you know, Lindsay Lohan does have that comeback and gets to show us really what she's capable of. Because she, like I said, in her, you know, Disney roles and in Mean Girls, she had such a wonderful charm about her um, that makes someone a star. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a star. She was, you know, really a household name. And and I think it's a, a real shame because she has had her struggles with many child stars. They have... ...their struggles, you know, being in the limelight... ...having a lot of things easily available to them... ...and I, I don't want to make the whole podcast about that... ...but I just want to explain that we're not here to... ...you know, diss Lindsay Lohan as a person. Yeah. That being said... <sighs> ...this is a rough film. It's not... It is. ...this isn't a masterpiece by any means. No, no,
0: it isn't. it's not a trash piece either. It's that awkward place in the middle... Um, but yeah, that's what I was saying before, you know, you've got one side of the internet and the film critics and whatnot who despise it, it's the worst one have ever made, whatever. But then you've got this other side, this new resurgence where people are saying it's a court film, misunderstood classic, and it's not really either, it's just somewhere in the middle. Um, which, you know, for us who are here to, you know, make jokes out of films, it <laughs> doesn't really help us. Um, but yes, I know... There's a few
1: uh moments. There, there that are a few. Will there will are a few. Mentioning.
0: Um, and it is an important film to discuss on a podcast like this. Um, it is a big part of horror, cult and trash history um, because of its reputation. So, Directed by Chris Siv- Sivetson. Uh, who we saw in person just the other day. We did. <laughs> not even
1: realising.
0: No. Uh, yeah, director of the up-and-coming Christina Ritchie film, Monstrous, which was the second best film we watched at Frog Fest. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, he's come a long way. Yeah.
0: Uh, he also directed All Cheerleaders Die, the original and the remake, Toolbox Murders As It Was, the documentary, The Lost Brawler, uh, Don't Wake Mummy, Heartthrob, Did I Kill My Lover, and Driven to the Edge. Made on a budget of $12 million, and it only made $9.6 million at the box office. I can't believe it's even had a theatrical release.
1: It has got direct-to-video it, it written has.
0: all over it. It has. Uh, so getting into the trivia, Lindsay Lohan's legal issues became a problem during filming. Some days she would show up play. some days she didn't show up at all. Whilst filming the climax and reshoots, Chris Sivertson. Uh, used a body double and digitally replaced her face with Lohan's for the days that she wasn't on set. Not that you would know, it means it's so dark. Um, yeah, I think that's maybe a, a, the choice was to make it so dark. Yes. Uh, Lindsay Lohan actually... Uh, oh, by the way, she recently started TikTok, and apparently we've been saying her name wrong all this time. She says her name is Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, I mean... it. We've been calling it Lohan for decades now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we all have.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> do you remember that episode of Drag Race where RuPaul randomly told everyone that we had been pronouncing Raven Simone wrong, <laughs> and it was Raven Simonea? Yeah. Um, maybe that's you know the same thing. Maybe Disney, just decided this is how it's easier to pronounce this way and that's how they marketed all these child stars i'm like um no you're you're property of disney now so you'll pronounce your name the way we tell you to pronounce your name
0: yes she uh actually took pole dancing lessons to prepare for her role as a stripper because of the strict no nudity clause in her contract she was not willing to strip nude for the film this was a source of criticism for viewers and critics Because if Lohan or Lohan is playing an exotic dancer, then nudity was naturally expected. Made more apparent by the fact that the background strippers in the the film do get naked, uh, except for Lohan. A.K.A. if this was any other film and any other star, they wouldn't have a single problem with it. But because it's Lindsay Lohan, and this is an excuse for her to get her boobs out, and she doesn't do it, they're all pissed off. That's basically what that is. I
1: agree with you to a certain degree. But, I mean, real-life strippers, they strip. Yeah. You know, we we recently discussed a film called Strip to Kill. Yeah, yeah. Where strippers stripped. We've both been to strip clubs. Yeah. The strippers stripped. That, yeah. That was the point. I was just... And I suppose if you're marketing... Because she's there front and centre on the poster. hmm You know, dancing around a pole... There's maybe certain expectations as to the role itself. Yeah, there were many scenes in the film of her performing as a stripper, mm-hmm. but it kind of falls flat because it it's just her in what a corset going around a pole. Oh, definitely. Which, if it was just yeah. one scene, you'd be like, okay, you know, whatever. But it keeps happening, yeah, 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 and it is it feels a little when you're expecting this to be her breakout adult role, mm-hmm. you know she's playing twins, you know, this is her really getting to grips with a thrilling role, something different to what she was used to doing it it does seem a little um I, uh, what's the word. Conser- yeah, it feels a little conservative
0: Yeah, but at the same time If she did get it all out Then she would have faced backlash for that as well That is, you know, you know that is It was a lose-lose for I,
1: her I think ultimately this just wasn't the right film No To choose for your breakout Proper acting role mm. this, 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 was no, this wasn't the film yeah. This is B-movie stuff here Oh yeah you know and i think if lindsay lohan wasn't in it then we maybe would have gotten more camp yeah. and it maybe could have played up more on the ridiculousness of the whole thing but i think it was whoever was behind it was like we've got lindsay lohan we want her to do this proper role now yeah. so you've got to keep it serious when really in the right hands with the right people this could have been B-movie gold.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, because of a negative reputation, Lindsay Lohan couldn't even walk to her trailer without the paparazzi photographing her. Uh, sometimes they would even end up in the background of some of the shots of the film.
1: Yeah, really just, it, it feels like a million years ago, but it really isn't. And it, it hasn't actually changed that mm. much overall. No, um, I think we are in a better place when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. We're not quite there, um, but uh, particularly with Britney's story, yeah. I think we're all realising, yeah. wow, that was some bullshit.
0: Yeah. Um, her DUI arrest in late July 2007 prevented her from doing promotion for the film. She was scheduled to appear as a guest star on a Tonight Show with Jay Leonard to promote the film. Um, yeah, so it, this was around that time when it all yeah. went down. and it,
1: it is a shame, and I would, you know, a, a DUI offence is a very serious yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. you know, um, so I'm not saying th- that to take it lightly, um, but I, I do think that maybe she could have had more help oh, than yeah, she did yeah. at the time.
0: Uh, it wasn't screened in advance for critics. <laughs> no, I don't suppose it was. Uh, Chris Sivitson's favourite works such as uh, Vertigo, Blue Velvet, Drust to Kill and Twin Peaks all served as inspiration for this film. Uh, and he also took inspiration from David Lynch, Dario Argento, Brian De Palma and Hitchcock uh, incorporating their use of suri- surrealistic imagery and creative colour choices for the film. Which is fabulous, but it doesn't work.
1: No. It doesn't work. There's too much going on there. I, and it's muddled.
0: Yeah, I mean... it's it, Again, it's conflicting because I really like the cinematography, but it it kind of... It feels like it belongs somewhere else. It just... Because the, the rest of the film... Because there's those moments of bad acting and, it, you know, messiness and that, it kind of... It, it feels like there's a really, really good film... Somewhere inside this. that yeah. That shows glimpses every now and then. And it just never fully forms.
1: I, I said this to you, didn't I? David Cronenberg... Yeah. Could have made this a five-star film. Yeah. Um, because he can do... Because th- there is a lot of body horror involved. Yeah. Um, but he can do that kind of weirdness. Not necessarily surreal. No. But that weirdness with... A kind of also a seriousness yeah as well and it works unfortunately it didn't in this case w- whereas someone like Lynch can sometimes go out and out surreal mm-hmm um, I, c- I understand that the Blue Velvet comparisons and influence um, but, it, I don't know, just in the wrong hands. I'm, I'm sorry, and, you know, I'm sure he's a wonderful director, and uh, we saw him at the weekend, and Monstrous was a, a good film. Um, but it just doesn't work in this context.
0: No. In Aubrey's bedroom, seen throughout the film, if looking closely behind a door, you spot a familiar purple guitar leaning against the dresser drawer. Uh, not only is purple a colour made from combining blue and red, the two dominant colours of the film, it's also the same guitar that appears on the iconic cover of Lindsay Lohan's album, Speak. Yes. <laughs> um, the film's critical and... Fa- I thought the album rumors. Uh, was th- Rumours. was two albums? Two, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the film's critical and financial failure seriously damaged the careers of uh, Chris Sivetson, actress Lindsay Lohan, producer Frank Mancuso Jr., Uh, And screenwriter Jeff Hammond, who never wrote another film script again after this film. I mean, Chris Hivitson's still making films now, and let's face it, they're kind of still on the same level as they were back then. So, I don't know how much this really affected his career, in comparison to Lindsay Lohan, who, as far as I know, hasn't really picked back up since.
1: No, and she had a a few duds. ...at the time, uh, Labour Pains... Yeah. ...was around that time. Yeah. Um, she did the TV movie of the Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton uh, story... ...which wasn't very well received. Yeah,
0: she was also in a disaster that was scary, maybe five as well.
1: But I th- I think the big problem was her behaviour off, off set. Yeah. And I think maybe people were pushing her to continue working... And I don't think it, it helped her situation. Whereas she probably could have done with some time off to s- s- sort herself out. That, yeah. So, you know, you know. And um, I think she eventually has. I don't know what she's done well, recently.
0: She is going to be in Christmas in Wonderland, which is in post-production. Oh. And Cursed, which is in pre-production. Okay. Um... I mean, that looks a little cheap. <laughs> that
1: looks very. Cheap. At least it'll
0: be at fright fest. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that 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 might even be a bit, a bit much even for fright fest. Um, yeah. It's so, a shame, really,
1: because she she had charisma and bucket loads. Oh yeah. She really yeah. did.
0: Um. You know, I I still think there's still chance for her, even though she's starring and shit like that. I think, you know. We're in the land of uh, recalls now. You do a Mean Girls one. Bring her back for that. Oh, yeah. That's actually good. <laughs> um, in a uh, 2019 interview, Sivitson revealed the existence of a three and a half hour long director's cut. Fucking hell. And it could, and if it could get released, uh, saying to a lot of people it doesn't make sense. And there were a lot of plot scenes, uh, especially a lot of investigative FBI stuff that were just totally cut out of the film. I was more interested at the time with just the weirdness of it all.
1: Yeah, uh, one issue I do have, um, and it, it's not the people playing the FBI, um, but the FBI seems to kind of be plonked in. Yeah. And nothing really comes from it. No. And then the film kind of forgets the FBI it, by yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, because it's it's part of the film that growl. It's... Part of the film that grounds it in reality. Yeah. Um, when a lot of it is ridiculous, and you know the plot is ridiculous, and I don't, I don't, I I can't speak on anyone's behalf, but I'm not sure if the, it's true. The whole twin thing, injury thing. Um, probably not. It's <laughs> no. So there's the ridiculousness of that, and it, it probably could have done with
0: less FBI. If I'm being
1: honest,
0: well, and i more
1: in the fantasy
0: realm. I don't think we'll ever see the three and a half hours. No. Hour. I don't know there's high demand no. for it. Um, though the film itself is a failure and critically panned, the score for the film by Joel McNeely received universal critical acclaim, regarded as one of the year 2007's best original film scores by critics. I okay. really I really like the yeah, score, I thought it was it really was. good. Yeah.
1: The, the, the song
0: choices are a little strange. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the score was great. Um, yeah, and uh, a bit of trivia we've already discussed. This was Lindsay Lohan's first attempt at you know a more adult-oriented film. Um, her attempt to play against types and be taken seriously as an actress. Yeah, which pretty much means saying fuck and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, screenwriter Jeff Hammond talked about how he came up with the idea for the film... Uh, by saying after school one day when I was very young some kids from the local high school got stuck in a stalled car on the railroad tracks in the car were two high school boys and their girlfriends there was a train coming the car was directly in its path the director and the two girls made it out of the car but the boy in the back seat got trapped it was a coupe and a tight squeeze and somehow he got his foot caught under the seat Uh, the train hit the car with him still half in it so this boy had an identical twin who was elsewhere that day but that twin felt something was wrong, catastrophically wrong, and he became convinced when the sense of dread didn't pass that his brother had died. The story that got passed around was that he felt his brother died at the exact moment of his death. And uh, I was 11, 10 or 11 years old at the time and I was haunted for a long time by the story. Okay. So that's where that comes from. I see. Okay. Um, no, no opinion on... Well, yeah, okay. It's, yeah. (laughs) What can you say? I mean,
1: it it makes sense. (laughs) but You know.
0: Uh, Despite failing at the box office, the film was actually surprisingly successful on home video. The DVD and Blu-ray were released on November 2007, and by January it had made over $11 million in home video sales. By the end of its run, the film had grossed over 28 million in home video sales. Sex sales, doesn't it? it?
1: Unfortunately. It does. It does. It does. It's
0: not a very sexy film. I it's not, though, but
1: it's. But, you know,
0: you've brought it, search. you've brought it, so. Uh... Well, you know, Lindsay Lohan
1: is. Uh, I, I genuinely think that she was very sexualised um, at quite a young age
0: well she was i mean it's the whole and plus the whole 2000s thing is if you've, you've got a film with a female lead you've got to try and make it look as sexy as possible and i know i always use it as a reference point but look at jennifer's body it is the perfect example mm-hmm. it is not a film to sexualize women the absolute opposite but the entire marketing was here's megan fox looking sexy please buy this film and yeah there we go but I. I think Lindsay Lohan, and
1: the comparisons to Britney are are numerous, really, I think. And I always remember a massive deal, huge deal, being made of Britney Spears when the Sometimes video came Mm -hmm. out. Because apparently her breasts had grown massively overnight. And it was this huge thing about... Why? Why her boobs look so big? You know, why has she had it? Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, she's a growing girl. All that stuff, and she was a young age. Then. Yeah. And I think Lindsay Lohan was victim of the same as well. Yeah. Where she was a child star, but obviously when she started to develop, you know, and and, um, become more womanly, a huge deal was made of it. Yeah. And she was sexualized, and I think. That's why front and centre of the marketing mm-hmm. for this film is Lindsay Lohan yeah. dancing around a
0: pole. It's fucking weird. It, it's a really weird way of looking at things, especially when these people start off as child stars and then people become obsessed and as soon as they're able to sexualise when they do it, it's, it's really weird if you ask me. Well, from, off,
1: out, you know, from the offset with Britney, wasn't it? Yeah, In yeah. In the schoolgirl outfit and... That Rolling Stone cover, and I think mm. people are becoming more savvy to it now, and yeah, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't get that with say someone like Zendaya. no who is a modern comparison mm. it, uh, you wouldn't get that now because people are like, What the fuck
0: are you talking about, yeah, you know uh Liz Lohan has since disowned this film and hates it, but yeah, it ruined her career, and she you know maybe
1: she wasn't in the right place to be doing this film. Sorry, we're beating
0: a dead horse at the moment. The original ending uh, revealed that the Aubrey and Dakota characters were not real and that the entire film was simply an unnamed college student script, also played by Lindsay Lohan. Uh, The ending was cut after test audiences found it too predictable, but it is on the special features for the DVD and Blu-ray. Honestly, that would have been so much better. I don't care how predictable it is, that would have been a massive improvement on the ending we do have.
1: Yeah, I'd rather the ending to be a, oh, okay, rather than a, huh? You know? Yeah. I'd rather not sit there and, you know, have all these unanswerable questions mm-hmm. in my head, like, what the fuck is going on? You know, if you can just, it, it was all a dream ending. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with that, if it just... Mm-hmm. You know, explains away some of the confused... Yeah. Uh, ...parts. Uh,
0: the primary colours of the film, red and blue, symbolically represent Aubrey and Dakota's personalities. a uh, Big thing in this film is, is the colour scheme. Oh my god. Um, Speaking of beating a dead horse... <laughs> fucking hell. The uh, whole thing, it's like we get it. I, I believe we call it bisexual lighting these days. This sort of neon... Uh, thing going on. I, I didn't hate it. I I thought it was quite stylish. Um, it was the first
1: few times,
0: but I just felt like
1: the whole. It it's like we get it, we understand, yeah. and it was like there, glaringly obvious in your yeah. face. You know, um, I I did I did think we were beating a dead horse. Well, getting into I the probably film. Probably use that analogy. It's not a very nice one. It?
0: <laughs> getting into the film, a young woman who was missing. Reappears, but she claims to be someone else entirely. Dun, dun, dun. So we start off in the quiet suburb of New Salem, uh, which is currently being terrorized by a serial killer who abducts and tortures young women, holding them captive for weeks before murdering them.
1: Yes, yeah, so we start off with a, a lovely stylish puddle reflection. Yeah,
0: just like the Odeon advertisement with the Excuse me,
1: I was about to make that joke. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman... <laughs> takes her head off. <laughs> oh, takes her head off. <laughs> no, uh, nice stylish puddle reflection of a neon burlesque sign. Yeah. It's burlesque. Uh, credits roll to a Lou Reed-esque song. Yeah, Step was... On Inside by Vietnam. Yeah, I was getting Lou Reed. Um, And li- might as well get straight
0: to it. Lindsay Lohan doing her sexy pole dance. Yeah. Uh, she is over... Wow, this... At this point we think she's Aubrey Fleming, a pianist and aspiring writer. She's having a bit of a pole dance. Um, a little
1: bit of foreboding, we get blood on the yeah, pole, Yeah, starts don't to mean. bleed.
0: Uh, and we cut to her reading a story in class about someone choking on wheels.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I have absolutely no <laughs> idea what this uh, story was about. Something about a truck driver and whether a girl is real or not. Um, she's such a nerd with her glasses. Though, she, she is, you such can tell, a nerd. You can tell she's uh, a good girl who does well at school because uh, she's wearing glasses. <laughs> but she's got a little bit of an edge to her because, uh, she, she goes on her way home. She's the gardener, doesn't she? She does. Oh, wait, excuse me. No, this is the gardener that is cutting the hedge mm. from inside the hedge. Yeah. I'm a little confused <laughs> by that. Yeah. He was, uh, cutting his way out of the hedge. He was. Rather than cutting Somehow back Somehow he got trapped inside the hedge. Yeah, um, he, he had a
0: Homer Simpson moment. She, uh, she gets to a piano lesson, um, for the next young musician competition that's coming up. Um, when she is distracted by the gardener, who is now at the window waving to her. Yes. Um... She's okay. having... oh, He's a bit of a red herring straight away. A little bit, yeah. She's having
1: doubts. She is. And she wants to quit piano to focus on her writing and getting into Yale. Y- Yale? <laughs> I said, <sound> like... <laughs> I sound, did I sound like Deja Sky doing a little job on <laughs> Yale? Uh, <laughs> um, turns out she won the Young Musician Award many years ago, though, so I was a little confused by that. Is she trying out for it again?
0: I don't Um, think she's that young at this point, though, (laughs) if she's about to go to college. Well, what makes me laugh about this scene is the British uh, piano instructor, uh, Douglas Norquist. Um, If if that name alone is not a red herring, um, the fact that he's a mysterious British piano teacher from the get-go, you know, spoiler alert, this guy's the killer. Um, (laughs) Yeah. As if it wasn't any more obvious um but she's there like but it's oh. not, i forgot he existed by the end i did i was waiting for this reveal i knew i knew this was gonna it's, happen was I so thought it was
1: a bit like scooby-doo when they pull the mask <laughs> off
0: and it's someone oh were they in that episode when were they in the episode who well, is this guy because his acting's so dodgy as well you see he's trying not to be suspicious but he's so suspicious yeah um she's like yeah i'm thinking of quitting he's like, Oh uh, no! Don't don't quit. And she's like, No, I definitely quit. It's like, okay, bye. And then just leaves. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh we get a really nice shot of a sphinx cat at the top of the stairs. <laughs> um, anything, you know, st- stands out about this cat? Um, no. No, no, like giant testicles, like. I. Front and center. Say.
0: Can't <laughs> say I notice. Oh my god! It was right there, like right there.
1: I was like, oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why. I'm assuming it was testicle. I wasn't. I, I wasn't paying that much attention, but they did. well,
0: I mean, you were paying more attention to me, clearly. It mean, did.
1: They did they stuck out. Whatever it was, it stuck out. Um, Chris Barker, spotter of cat's balls. It's right in the middle of the screen. But anyway, uh, so Aubrey's at a desk at night, typing up a story. Um, she's wearing glasses again, isn't she? Well, she awkward. is. What a nerd. Um. Then we get a close up of her bare foot. <laughs> Tap it along to the sad <laughs> t- indie t- songs she's yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: Come on, Tarantino. I didn't know he was an influence. <laughs> um. She cuts her finger. Oh yes, the, the editing goes insane at this point. The editing's yeah. on crack. It, it just. uh we go from her in her bedroom having a quiet, you know, sad writing session. The next minute, she's. Getting a, ro- a blue rose from her admirer, Gerard.
1: Um, and a boyfriend.
0: Well, he asks, tries to ask her out in the scene after this. No, he tries to ask to have a
1: shag. Oh, okay. So he get, gives her a blue rose. She's like, where did you get a blue rose from? <laughs> oh, blue. You know that's my favourite colour. Um, In a little bit of
0: more foreboding, she pricks yeah, her finger. She does. Uh, but then we fast cut to... Uh, News reporters trying to get a cop to talk about a girl who's been murdered. Yeah, well, we get a pan to an array of missing girl posters yeah. nearby. Uh,
1: then we get a random scream. Absolutely no reason, <laughs> no reason for this random scream. Don't know who it is, why it is, no idea. And then a police officer being harassed by the media in relation to a murdered girl being found. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, there's nothing to suggest that this murder has anything to do with the... Fucking dozens of missing girls. Um, which, obviously, it does have a lot to yeah. do with these dozens of missing girls. Um, in class, Jared is trying it on with Aubrey. But she's having absolutely none of it. Yeah. Uh, Jared says that he's falling in love. Um, and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She does not swear. She only swears when she's Dakota. She's like, what are you talking about? We haven't been together all that long. And um, then Jared, embarrassingly, so embarrassing, he's asked by his teacher to show the female sex organs of whatever's underneath the microscope. <laughs> I don't think it's explained. Um, but he
0: shows her the male sex organs. Yeah. So Aubrey's like, Ah, oh, well, you're going to need to be more experienced before you date me. Yeah. <sighs> and then <laughs> the bizarre series of events... Uh, The teacher is informed about the missing girl that's been murdered. Uh, And she says, Jennifer Tolan's body was discovered this morning. Please don't ask me any more questions. I don't have the details. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is... The thing is, they come to the door,
1: whoever's informing her, and she... It's very brief. Very brief, the conversation. And then she does this thing. Don't ask me for any more details. I don't know. It's like, that's obvious. <laughs> like, one sentence. They just... One se- You know that phenomenal scene in the pilot episode of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. where it's, you know, everyone finds out at the school that Laura Palmer's been murdered. Yeah. Her body's been found. Do you think they were going for that? Probably. Um, it didn't work. No. It did not work. It was just hilarious. Should, don't ask me any more questions.
0: Yeah, because then it leads on to a voiceover... Um of someone doing a write upon Jennifer's death whilst her parents identified a body. Um Jennifer's it, body yeah, is identified it, by her parents. It is all a little twin peaksy, um, we're trying to be. Um but yeah, just no. No. Um Aubrey drives home in the garden next door, again another bizarre series of events, he takes his shirt off and then starts wanking off a tree branch whilst watching her. Yeah. And she gives him the middle finger, and he gives a really low effort wolf noise like whoa. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. and uh, then Carly Rae Jepsen comes out. Yeah. Starts singing, <laughs> "Call Me Maybe." Turns out he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I... <laughs> It's completely pointless because this the one I, I don't understand is that her, the the whole thing is that Dakota and. Aubrey are two very different people. One's red, one's blue. Uh Yeah. One's fiery, one's very passive. So I don't understand this whole flirtatiousness with the gardener thing. Because that's kind of... um, It's kind of like Rose and Blanche. Mm. Um, Rose wouldn't do that. But Blanche would. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Aubrey is Rose and... Dakota is Blanche um, so it didn't make any sense no it's it's out of character when your whole film is based around this split between mm-hmm. the two um, and it doesn't really lead anywhere
0: either no um, sp- speaking of things that don't work the school football game is dedicated to Jennifer and there's a few weird edits thrown in where the colour blue uh, is highlighted and else goes black and white at some point now I do like the cinematography in this film but what the fuck were they trying to do here it yeah it, it
1: comes across a bit cringe um also there are parts of this scene where it looks like you're wearing red and blue yeah, glasses it just doesn't work um no i i don't inter- i don't know if it, it's the same in america but we would here would have a minute silence yeah and I thought he said a minute silence. <laughs> like fucking five seconds. But silence. it was literally five <laughs> seconds. So I don't know if he said a moment silence. I thought it was a minute. I was like, oh okay. Oh, poor Jennifer. She got <laughs> barely any fucking Seven. time. <laughs> um, yeah, very weird. Um, and this rose, I have to say, consider it's out of water for like a whole day. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it really lives a very long time. Like yeah. well done, whoever grew that. This is a
0: strong rose. Yeah, she tells her... Aubrey tells her friends that she'll be moving away in January, so she can't afford to fall in love with Jared. Uh, and then she goes to find Jared on her own. Is that what they said? Because they were talking yeah. so fast. Yes. and
1: no idea what they were saying. Uh, she, yeah, she's moving
0: away for some These something. two
1: girls that we never see again. <laughs> like her best oh, friends. Oh, I know,
0: yeah. Don't even come to visit when no. it's Dakota. <laughs> no. Um, she goes, to this in the three and a half hour cut, she, uh, yeah, she goes to find Jared on her own, and then she goes missing, her friends try calling her, and Jared shows up, and he says, where did she park her car, and her friend's like, it's on the street, with, with the street, come on, really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it turns out it's like round the corner
0: anyway, isn't it? Yes, with a blue rose left in the front of it. (gasps) Aubrey is tied up on an operating table somewhere by someone with blue gloves. And uh, we cut away as her kidnapper opens up a call box.
1: Oh uh, yeah. So uh, would this be dry ice? It's dry ice. So it's it's chunks of dry ice that he takes out. Um and then we fade to police speaking to Aubrey's father, Daniel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The fades are fade to blue, aren't they? Of course. Um. Then we get legendary housewife. Garcelle, um, playing Agent Julie Bas Bascom. Yeah. Uh, and she's talking to Aubrey's mother Susan. Mm. Um, Garcelle is from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. She um she's a legend she's a legendary housewife. And she has very little to do in this <laughs> yeah. She's in it a fair bit. She is. But she ain't got much to do. Um, but she does it well and she's beautiful as always
0: and I love her. Yeah. But yeah. Um Susan Aubrey's mother's just there stroking a cat whilst being questioned.
1: Yeah, she does the usual oh, you expect your children to come home at night stuff <laughs> that's in every film where um someone's kid goes missing
0: (laughs) and then we we cut back to aubrey still tied up and for a film that's been quite mild up until this point on violence she starts having a fucking skin lifted off her hand with this dry ice yeah um so her
1: hand's like between the two chunks isn't it yeah of dry ice and then the, the the murderer Proceeds to pour a thick blue liquid on her hands. Yeah. And then starts to cut off her fingers. Yeah, with a piece of glass. Um, Yeah, this weird blue glass. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It kind of looks like... um, Like that glass icing... I'm not icing sugar, you know what I mean. I know what you like mean sugar, yeah. sugar stuff. Yeah.
0: And it, you know, it, it looks, looks great. great. It's all practical effects, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it looks really great. It's just, I think with, obviously there's a three and a half hour cut out there somewhere where it's probably a bit more consistently violent, Uh but when you know it's just suddenly out there, it's a little jarring. Yeah, it is. Um. We then get a
1: very unprofessional police detective. <laughs> Who's hoping all of the missing girl investigations don't interrupt bingo that evening? <laughs> uh, really not sure why that was left in, uh, from the three and a half hour cut, completely pointless. Um. We then, <laughs> we then have a girl driving. She has got man troubles, didn't she? She has. She having a right old whinge on the phone, um, and she, I thought she hit something.
0: No, so she sees a fox in the middle of the road and then swerves out, um, and then finds Aubrey. Yeah. So you think.
1: So she finds Aubrey. Yeah, this is going to be really confusing. I've just
0: right? got a down as Dakota after this.
1: Um, yeah, I've got a down as Dakota for this, thank God. But again, I mean, this yeah. is probably something we should have discussed before the podcast. I don't know why... it's
0: worked out in our favour. I don't know why uh, this woman on the phone was so angry, because she's arguing um, the fact that her boyfriend and her they finish each other's sentences but she's like really upset about it
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, <laughs> you didn't finish my seven
0: Aubrey uh, has one of her hands and her leg and one of her legs amputated um the surgeons start operating on her and <laughs> the surgeon's like she's fucking awake here and i for god's sake <laughs> yeah which I confusingly thought
1: was malpractice <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, is this not going to be... Is this just not going to be brought up? She's (laughs) awake during the... Yeah. But obviously it's whatever the guy has... No. No, they're just bad surgeons. (laughs) Yeah, but they must be. Because the whole idea is that Aubrey was awake as she was being... As the amputations were... Uh, going on. Yeah, and he'd given her something to make sure she stayed awake mm-hmm. during the whole thing, which I thought was why Dakota was still awake during the surgery because it was still in her sister Yeah, which I think was what the film was alluding to, but the twist is that, or uh, Dakota had been nowhere near the piano teacher's house before. Yeah. So this is malpractice. There we go. Um,
0: um, yeah, Aubrey's parents visit her at the hospital and uh, she shocks everyone by claiming to be a down on her look stripper named Dakota Moss.
1: So when she, when she does wake up, the nurse says, Hey, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I thought was a bit <laughs> strange. Um. Yeah. So she does. She notices her right hand and leg are missing. Starts screaming. Um. Which again makes no sense because by all accounts they'd already fallen off. Yeah. By that point in Dakota's story. Uh, the police discuss Aubrey's attack. Uh, apparently she'd been missing seventeen days. Yeah. Um. Then Garcelle, <laughs> I. Don't, I will refer to her as Garcelle for the whole list. Uh, Garcelle thinks the culprit is against witnessing the murder. hmm Um, and, as always, Garcelle is 100% correct. Yeah. Um, Aubrey believes she is Dakota Moss, and not that Aubrey chick.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, Lindsay Lohan as Aubrey actually wasn't terrible. Um, she was, she was very Lindsay Lohan, you know. Yeah, it was on brand um, for her. As soon as she changes to Dakota... <laughs> She differentiates the two characters by becoming a bad actress.
1: Yeah. Um, The the struggle's real, unfortunately. And essentially, in terms of performance, what separates the two is that, number one, she doesn't need glasses when she reads. (laughs) Number two, she uses the word fuck as punctuation. (laughs) And thirdly, she likes to smoke and have sex. Yeah. And that's it. In terms of nuances and performance, is kind of the same. Yeah, just... Whereas you think you've got these two characters, yes, they look similar, that twins, mm-hmm. but they've grown up separately from each other. So they would really be different. You know, like Parent Trap, yeah. where one of them had a British accent. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that they would have the same voice or this, the same... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There would be something different about them. Even though they're twins, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been raised two very different ways. So I would like to have seen more, uh, even though it would have been a dead giveaway, unfor- you know, unfortunately to the twist, mm-hmm. which is the fact that they are twins, Um, it would have been a dead giveaway. But now knowing the twist, it's a bit like, oh, you know... Yeah. It's kind of... It, 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 I, you know what I mean. Yeah. I
0: just wish there would have been a little more to it. She gives a detective a backstory about how she was raised by a crack addict and how her mother died recently. Uh, and her mother only left her $11. And she asks if the detective is the fuzz. But we find out he's a psychiatrist who works with the FBI.
1: Yeah, we get a flashback to Dakota finding her mother's dead body, don't we? Yeah. Um, Dakota's wearing a red top. Uh, a red, like, tiger print yeah. top. Um, so the FBI agent tells her that her... Well, he's not an agent, he's a psychiatrist or mm. whatever. They tell her that her injuries match a murder victim exactly. Um, I'm a bit confused because she's really reluctant to speak to them. She is, yeah. And I don't know why. It's never really explained why she's so reluctant to speak no. to them. Or reluctant to help find whoever did this. Cause in her head at that moment she's still thinking that somebody has done this to her. mm mm-hmm. Isn't she? She yeah. can't explain. Um, oh wait, no, it makes sense now because th- the things that happened to her uh, because of this stigmata twin thing. Yeah. So maybe she thinks they just think she was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's why she's reluctant to help. Oh
0: God. <laughs> um, Susan shows up and they're having the look at a picture of... Uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. Boy, it, um, when she was younger in Hawaii. Uh, Dakota's like, oh yeah, I did used to wear similar clothes to that, but in brown. Uh, and then Susan finds a photo of Jennifer in Dakota's bed. And, uh, go start shouting in Agent Garcelle's face about it. Yeah. Um, but Agent Garcelle's just like, oh, look, I just want to protect your daughter. Well, that's not really an explanation as to why that's in her bed.
1: No. No. Um, um you could have shown it at her and then taken them with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know.
0: She's the, like, Garcelle! <laughs> the detectives are some of the most unprofessional detectives in cinema history. It's not great. Um uh, they start questioning Dakota to help uh, the FBI and, uh, she tells them about her new job at a gentleman's club, and this is when we're introduced to her boss, Fat Tina, played by the icon that is Bonnie Aaron's, who you may know from The Nun, as The Nun, uh, and her first... So like t- the scariest thing on the planet in Mulholland yeah. Drive. So she shows up, and she's like, I don't care how old you are, kiddo, if your ID says you're 21, you're fucking 21 to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, all this with a topless pink lookalike yeah. in the background. <laughs> so this is, like, the showgirls part yeah. of it. Um, but with, like, barely any strippers yeah. actually, like, there. And, like, no camaraderie, no sort of interactions with any of her <laughs> uh, um, colleagues. Yeah, colleagues. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, she pulled the curtain. K- of pole dancers to How Long by Outhood. Yeah, um, a
1: strange choice, because it's not... It was a, a not very sexy, upbeat, nah. indie pop song, um, which I don't really understand. What's better is the generic rock... Uh, Freya by the sword. Yeah, <laughs> as she's taking a cigarette from a patron's the mouth. <laughs> um, she's then at the bus stop in a red coat. Yeah. And a thoroughly modern Millie hat. Uh, <laughs> When a shadowy figure watches her and teleports next to her. Yeah. Scaring her before the bus pulls up. Um, So, I mean, for the twist, this is just a creepy guy. Yeah. Or is this the killer? No, because the killer would have thought it was Aubrey.
0: Well, suppose, yeah.
1: What I don't understand is that this guy is... The piano teacher is Aubrey's piano teacher. Yeah. So why would he have to abduct her? Like, <laughs> like why abduct her in public? Yeah. Um, and if he's the one who's following Dakota, uh uh-huh. then why would he is, is he not concerned that Aubrey's in a strip club? Like dancing in yeah. a strip club. Is he not a little confused like it, by it, the whole thing? The
0: twist really renders a lot of this pointless. Yeah. I
1: mean. Some holes. Uh
0: yeah, she tells Agent Garcelle how the guy was intense. She didn't see his face, but she knows that he was in the club. Um I mean considering he was so intense, she didn't really seem that bothered about it when he was there at the bus stop. Or is like, she
1: making this story up to cover up the fact that her mom's no, just, just dropped off? It's
0: probably just bad writing, to be honest. Probably. Agent G- Garza and the other detective are oh, fuming and aggressively questioned her some more. So she rants at them about being locked up in a hospital like a prisoner. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the psychiatrist believes Dakota is Aubrey and she's delusional. Yeah. And Dakota is just an oh, excuse. Voice break. Uh, Dakota is just an alter ego. Yeah. Then the news breaks on TV that Aubrey has been found alive and is at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Which people did not want out, because they still think that the killer wants to come after Aubrey and finish the job. Yeah. So, Dakota is a nightmare about her assault, and her arm starts bleeding. Yeah.
0: yeah, which then it isn't a dream, because then it actually starts bleeding. Like The, the dream sequences in this, they kind of just happen, and then you, you're left wondering, wait, hang on, was it a dream, was it not? Is it a dream? Is it a psychic
1: connection? Yeah. Um, but then you're getting into the realm of psychically connected twins, which is oh god.
0: Yeah, and that kind of just ends. ends more. That, yeah. That entire thing just ends, um, and then she's given her new robotic hand. She is yes, uh, and a prosthetic leg as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's um, she says it's creepy, and the guy, the guy who's invented it or is helping her with
0: it says no. It's beautiful (laughs) Um, Yeah After he helps her Try to start walking again which she picks up Really fast um, She's driven home With some suspicious style Lighting Used in the rain
1: Yeah So My issue with this Is that it makes For a very lovely Looking scene (laughs) And it's Red And blue Lighting Flashing on and off With the Lights of The police car That they're travelling in But if you're trying To be Inconspicuous (laughs) Yeah because of the media and a serial killer, probably best not to draw attention to yourself and uh-huh. the flashing lights. Maybe it would be best to have not been in a police car. <laughs> yeah. With three other police cars travelling behind
0: as well. Yeah. It's, uh...
1: But it does make for a very, very
0: Suspiria-like um, scene. She arrives home and she asks Susan and Daniel if Aubrey chose the colours for her room uh, before telling them that she doesn't like cats when the cat, seem, the cat with a big ball seems happy to see her. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> even more happy than earlier. Uh, Jared comes to visit with Which blue she, roses. Of course. Now he's got a whole dozen blue yeah. roses and anything for his girl. Uh, Dakota is wearing all red Jeez. which confuses me a little bit because surely she'll need to borrow clothes from Aubrey's wardrobe <laughs> and a big deal was made of the fact that Aubrey dressed in blue blue mm-hmm. was her favourite colour so why has Aubrey got a whole red outfit because it, the whole outfit's red why has she got that in her wardrobe yeah
0: it conveniently appears conveniently. There when, it, when it needs to appear yeah
1: because Dakota d- by all accounts, ha didn't go back to her actual home, no, or wherever no. she's been.
0: Um, yeah. So to prove that she's not Aubrey, she gives him a kiss and then uh, bites his lip. Um. I mean, how does she know that Aubrey wouldn't do that? But okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true actually. And then they go to Aubrey's room and have really loud sex, much to Susan's disgust. Yeah. So Susan
1: is. Cleaning yeah. to try and get her mind off of the fact that Dakota and Jared are shaking upstairs. This is really disrespectful on Jared's <laughs> behalf. Like, really, quite rude. Um, Jared asks, or oh, oh, Jared asks Dakota why why she's doing this. But obviously, he calls her Aubrey. And uh, Dakota Dakota's like, "I'm not Aubrey. Did she fuck you like this?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then he wants to know how she got all cut up if she isn't Aubrey. So, we, again, this looks like it's just the next scene, which is very confusing when you see her with uh, <laughs> two arms and two legs. Um, but yeah, she just goes to this next scene where Dakota's showering and her finger turns black and bloody. She then goes to the club where she uh, works, has a swig of wine and does some dancing. Um... Then there's blood on the pole from the start of the film. She goes back to the dressing room. Her finger falls off uh, when she takes the glove off. So it's like all this just happens. Like There's no indication that this is a flashback yeah. at all. It just happens, uh, which is really confusing. And then Fat Tina and another stripper, Jasmine, played by another real housewife.
1: Yes, legendary housewife, Kenya Moore, <laughs> serving Gone with the Wind fabulous.
0: Yeah, she uh, she's <laughs> they, they find Dakota passed out with loads of blur, and she's like, I found a heroin ho just like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, out of context, that gone with the wind, fabulous, sounds weird. It's her catchphrase, and she had a song based around it. <laughs> it's not a weird
0: compliment that I've made up. <laughs> um, Tina sends Dakota home, by the way. Fat Tina isn't fat. I don't know why your name is Fat Tina. No,
1: no. She's never referred to her by any name in no. the film. It's just in the credits, she's Fat Tina. Um, I don't know if that's an inside joke or, or something.
0: She, uh, the cutter has a SIG on the bus uh, and a guy on the bus gives some words of wisdom and tells her, people get cut, that's life. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> she has to get, she's having to get the bus home because hospitals are for rich people. Yeah. Um, and she, in fact, Tina gave her two towels. That's bless that. her. Um, so yeah, I'm confused by this because I'm like, oh, it is a flashback, and apparently her finger did fall off. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming she sewed it back on herself as it's intact. Turns out mm. later, we it is revealed that she does sew it back on herself. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, unlikely, but okay.
0: Well, she tells Jared that she needs his help, so he goes outside, and as a distraction. He asks the entire FBI officers uh, if any of them have a condom. Yeah. Um, One of them gives him one, uh, and he... No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. I swear one of them does.
1: No, no. No, so the whole idea... So, um, Dakota thinks Jared only believes her strange story because she fucked him. But he vows to help her. Jared asks the FBI out front for a condom. They don't have any, so he drives off seemingly to go buy one. Oh, okay. So that's why they let him go, because they're like, Ah, lad, get in there. Yeah. Go get your condoms. I'm glad you're being safe. Um, turns out it's all a ruse and Dakota is in the boot. Yes. And has now successfully snuck past the FBI. And we never see Jared again.
0: But then she goes to this random house. Like, it's never explaining whose house this is. I'm going to assume it's Jennifer's house. I feel like it was Jennifer's. But that's never explained. No. Um. She investigates the room with lots of blue. Uh, and then. the uh, Aubrey's parents show up and take her home.
1: Yeah. So Jennifer's mum. I'm assuming. We're just assuming this. Uh, she starts yelling at Dakota. For not cooperating yeah. with the police. And then storms off. I don't know why Dakota's in jennifer's room i don't know what she's there to find
0: well she just touches a blue trophy and then that's it
1: yeah oh what's the trophy i have no idea do you think it's a young musician maybe Ah, uh, i suppose that makes sense but unless you're making it expressly clear yeah then it's just confusing
0: well Uh, After examining Aubrey's laptop, the FBI discover a short story. Oh, because
1: you you cover what you see every day. Yeah. Can't silence the lambs. Um, She might as well open a fucking music box and find
0: a saucy photo. Whilst examining Aubrey's laptop, the FBI discover a short story about a girl with an identical twin sister named Dakota. Mm Mm-hmm. Dakota has a dream about the guy from the bus who repeats his dialogue and then his chest tattoo comes to life yeah some wonderful cgi <laughs>
1: um yeah so garcelle's found this story is this the last time we see garcelle i think so um and she's right about everything about the story and right about the dna tests coming back and they're a perfect match mhm um so yeah fantastic well done garcelle you're right on all counts and we we'll never see you again Uh, (laughs) Never see the FBI again, do we? We don't see the police, nothing like that. Uh, Dakota has her dream about the bus dude and his CGI chest tattoo of a heart with wings. He says sometimes people get cut, sometimes people get cut in half. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, this causes us to have a SIG and a bit of a search on Ask Chiefs, um, the updated version, ask.com, about unexplained bleeding wounds. And the first thing that comes up, uh, is Stigmata. So she diagnoses herself with stigmata. Stigmata? Uh, you yeah. barely know her. She watches a video of Art Val talking about previous cases of stigmata.
1: Yeah, poor man Stephen King looking dude. Yeah.
0: Um, so it's
1: stig so it's, it's well stigmata is um, in relation to um Jesus. Yeah. So, his wounds, the stigmata, mm-hmm. there's a whole fucking film about it. Um, Did you ever watch that? No. No, I, I never watched it. I think, was it Patricia Arquette in it? I think, I think. so. Um, yeah, so it's to do with Jesus' wounds, it's the stigmata. But the whole idea of this is twin stigmata? Yeah, it's fucking... Stigmatic twins? Yeah where unexplained injuries have somehow occurred on one twin when the other has been injured or even shot or stabbed or whatnot.
0: It's such a stupid explanation um, for this film in particular. You know, maybe I'll swear it could have worked, but here it just feels a bit forced and really out of place. I think the problem is it's not...
1: It doesn't feel like a, ah, twist... No Because it's kind of Because it's Based in Fantasy Or mm. myth And um, So it doesn't really feel like a proper twist No Because the rest of the film Was taking everything so seriously
0: Yeah Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, because it does.
1: Cause you yes. had a whole FBI investigation yeah. And it, Some really gruesome Murders That you know, felt very realistic Mm. and it was feeling like a police procedural drama, you know, like Silence of the Lambs. Um, And then this twist, I'm assuming, you know, kind of brings it to the, kind of the ridiculous, really. And it's kind of like, oh... Oh, okay. So, are we not meant to be taking this seriously? No,
0: um, and the thing is, Dakota is so easy to believe it as well. Like, I mean, you know, there's nothing to confirm this is what happened. The straight-up like, yeah, that's it, i fucking that's got the stigmata. Exactly, exactly.
1: Uh,
0: and she goes and tells Susan all about it and says that she's Aubrey's long-lost twin. um, But to prove her wrong, <laughs> Susan somehow... Has the pregnancy scan, uh, from when she was having Aubrey? So, ultrasound. Um, yeah, she's got it on a on a TV. She has.
1: <laughs> um, so, I don't. I'm assuming back in the day, it would have been on an old VHS. Because it says Aubrey was born in nineteen eighty eight, mm. which um, the same year as me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I don't. I don't know how it works. Maybe they did back then, but. She probably would have had to have had it on a VHS, yeah, and then had it transferred to a DVD, so she could put it on the TV to show Aubrey.
0: <laughs> uh, just look at your scam picture. I was going to say
1: when the scam picture just <laughs> uh, sufficed.
0: <laughs> it was a bit, It was a very weird choice. And this is the turning point of the film now, so. Because
1: lightning, until, lightning starts striking. Yeah. So this is it now. Up
0: until uh, up until this point. It's an entertaining enough film, and a decent film at that, despite a few convoluted things here and there, as we've already discussed. Um, But then, as soon as you hit this point, Susan starts talking shit for about 20 minutes, um, just to make a point about being there for Dakota if she needs her. Dakota has a vision in a mirror of herself, or Aubrey, dressed like a bride, being knocked out by a shovel and taken away somewhere, um, which makes her flowers fly away into a...
1: stream yeah your cgi blue rose petals falling into a stream yeah dakota's nose which it's like she punched herself isn't it and her, yeah her nose starts bleeding um then suddenly everything falls into place mm-hmm. um inexplicably without real there's no real like aha moment no um, Dakota confronts Daniel about letters she found. I don't yeah. I can't remember when she found these letters. Um, but she found these letters, which indicates that his and Susan's baby died, and he bore Aubrey from the crackhead down the wards. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, we then get a flashback to Dakota sewing her finger back on and waking up to her leg having fallen off in her sleep. <laughs> so and then she wakes up screaming because her leg has fallen off yeah. in her sleep but then she also wakes up in the hospital screaming shocked that her leg's not there uh-huh. which I was a little confused by um because I, f- I i feel like she was so uncooperative with the police mm. because she didn't think they would believe the story of her leg falling off in her sleep yeah. so but why was she so shocked and why the surgery? What's the surgery for then? Was the mean? surgery just to close the wound? Because her leg had already fallen off yep. by that point. Surely she didn't sew that back on.
0: No, well, I mean, it's like I said, from it's this point easy. on, it's just yeah. a fucking mess. It's messy. Um, Daniel refuses to help her, so she tells him he's pathetic and to go fuck himself. Uh, and she goes to a nearby cemetery because of a vision that she had. After investigating the grave of Aubrey's recently murdered friend, Jennifer, uh, you may remember her uh, from earlier in the film. Wait, was that Jennifer's grave? Yeah. Oh. Dakota finds
1: a blue ribbon. Did I misread that then? Maybe. I misread it as Aubrey's grave, which I thought was very confusing, because I was like, surely that's very suspicious. If, yeah. he's, if the murderer's gone out and gotten a headstone made, <laughs> someone
0: who's <laughs> not even dead yet. Yeah. Um Yeah, so she finds a blue ribbon for a piano competition with a message from Jennifer and Aubrey's piano teacher, Douglas Norquist. <gasps> She's followed by Daniel and declares, I know who killed me. Yeah, I know who killed me.
1: Which okay, makes for a great um little clip in the trailer. Yeah. And it's also the title of the film, but considering she spent all of the film trying to tell people that she is not Aubrey
0: yeah
1: Getting very aggressive when people kept trying to tell her that she was Aubrey she's in a whole fucking investigation <laughs> the whole film is based around the fact that she is not Aubrey yeah. and she needs people to understand she is not Aubrey when she sits or whatever wherever she is and says i know who killed me <laughs> It goes against everything that she's been talking about.
0: It does. Um, (laughs) And this one line of dialogue... um, Oh, um, did you notice the... um,
1: This is a really stylish scene. And it's the one part where it was like, yes, Brian De Palma. Finally get a split screen. Yes. I was waiting for it. The moment it was like, oh, you know, De Palma, Dressed to Kill, was a big influence. Surely Body Double as well. Mm -hmm. Big influence. Yeah. I was like, when we get in the split screen, when we get in the split screen. And it's... In red, it's Dakota's profile. And then in blue, what I assumed was Aubrey in a grave. Yeah. Now, I, when I thought that was Aubrey's grave, not Jennifer's, I thought she had like a head mm-hmm. to the gravestone but now i understand that it's just a split screen between the two
0: well the two go without any fbi back up to norquist's home to confront him of course daniel heads in alone uh leaving a panicking dakota in the car alone uh attempting to calm herself dakota refers to herself as aubrey uh aka they stole it from a different scene in the film and accidentally left it in there clearly Um, Yeah,
1: I assumed this was the twin psychic connection. Yeah. And she knew that Aubrey was still alive. And I thought she knew that Aubrey had been buried alive. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's saying, breathe, Aubrey. As if trying to psychically tell Aubrey to breathe, which is, whatever. confusing.
0: Daniel is seemingly overpowered and is implied killed by Norquist and Dakota having entered the house, attacks Norquist in self-defence and cuts his hand off before being overpowered and tied up.
1: Yeah, so this is the the, the scene where I'm assuming Lindsay wasn't there because it's very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can barely see anything. Um, When she does cut off the piano teacher's hand, you don't see anything because no. it's so dark. Um, I thought she just cut the finger off but um, she she ends up in a room with lots of wooden legs hanging from yeah. the ceiling. Um, which I don't know where he got all those wooden legs, because he's not killing people who have already been amputated. No. Um, we could probably could have done with a little FBI section at the end explaining, or yeah. something. Um, she finds Daniel in a bath of blood. She it is. looks like a bath of blood. And she pretends she's Aubrey to comfort him as he dies. The killer appears with a blue rubber mask. He rips off her arm, knocks her out and yells. He's... he Yeah, he's got like a blue... It's like a blue condom on his head. Yeah. Uh, cut to him playing the piano badly. <laughs> um, Which I was like, why is he playing the piano so bad? And then realised, oh, it wasn't just a finger. His whole hand's been cut <laughs> off. And he's left it in ice. Uh... Billy Joel, Piano Man, goes nuts upstairs as Dakota is tied up. But she sees the blue... Co- conveniently, there's the blue glass thing near yeah. her. And we don't see her grab it in any way, but she notices it. Um, he questions her on how she got out of the grave. And uh, he's fuming. It, he has to do the whole thing all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, She manages to cut herself free, though, and eventually stabs him in the neck, and he dies very slowly. Uh, Dakota goes to Aubrey's grave. I don't know how she knew where she was. <laughs> and starts digging. Um, incredibly, Aubrey is alive, so we don't know how long she's been underground for. <laughs> how
0: long she's been underground well, for? Well, I mean, or? she was 17 days missing, and that was before 17 all days
1: this. missing? So, I don't know how long she's
0: been or whatever. Um,
1: and then they just kind of lie next to each other without saying a word, and the film ends. Yeah. And just, like, Aubrey doesn't seem shocked, she doesn't seem surprised, she doesn't seem anything, really. She's breathing perfectly fine, there doesn't seem to be any real damage. Um, very confusing messy and it really yeah, messy, it
0: but... really lets it down. It that last half hour or so it's fucking just goes on and on and but it just instead of just simply explaining everything, it just tries its best to overcomplicate it and to make itself a look more intelligent. But it doesn't, it just ruins the fun of the rest of it.
1: Yeah, it does. It it's it the problem is there's a solid foundation here for mm. a good film and it, it it gets a little lost of its own it eyes does, at times. It does. And it becomes very confusing. And by the end, I was just like, oh, I, I just yeah. um, no idea what they were going on about. No. <laughs> by the end, and the, the twist, it, it's such a silly twist, um, but the rest of it doesn't live up to yeah. what, the, the campiness of what that twist should have mm-hmm. meant. And, yeah, it's, it's it was disappointing, actually. It was it was disappointing. Yeah,
0: so that is I Know Who Killed Me. Not abysmal, but not amazing. Just somewhere in the middle. Um, I'd split. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, are you a fan of I Know Who Killed Me? If so, let us know on social media. We're Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. And Horror Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at gaz Two on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and night 92 on Twitter.
1: I'm ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram.
0: Uh, don't forget to give us a rate if you subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify and we'll be back on Friday with a bonus episode where we will be discussing our festival highlights from this year's Glasgow Film Festival. Yeah, there's a fair few There is, there is a fair few Uh, We'll we'll be discussing What we watched at Fright Fest as well Which is part of Glasgow Film Festival Some
1: good recommendations Yeah,
0: and then on Tuesday Next week, we will Be bringing you The next chapter in our journey Through the Hellraiser franchise Where we'll be discussing Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth And Hellraiser 4 Bloodline Pinhead in Space Oh, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. And Victorian-era Pinhead. Um, yeah. Huh? It, it, yeah. Directed by Alan Smithy. Um, Friday next week, we will be bringing you this month's Original Versus Remake episode where we'll be discussing the original and remake of Child's Play. Yay. That's so more interesting. Stacked full of episodes uh, these two weeks. We hope you don't get tired of our voice easily. Voices, easily. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Well, we will see you on Friday. Bye.